Hello and welcome to episode 320 of the Filmmakers Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking. From indie film to studio films to TV to documentaries and everything in between. How to get them made, how to make them, and how to try not to really F them up. In our very, very humble opinion. I'm Giles Alderson. I'm Dom Lenoir. And welcome. This episode is with Samuel D. Hunter. He is a screenwriter of one of the most talked about films of a generation. In 2023. <laughs> <laughs> of The Whale. I am in my room, I'm in my loft, we're recording Cultist loft, yep. Right when Dom's free to record this, uh, and I am, I've got some guys on my roof right now cleaning out the gutters, making a noise. Must be gutted. (laughs) Yes, Dom, (laughs) he's been with a pun within seconds. Uh, Yeah, I am, because it's noisy, so forgive the background noise. Um, Samuel D. Hunter is... A blast. He seems like a fantastic guy. He was a playwright, very, very successful playwright. He wrote this play, The Whale. Uh, well, I never. Uh, good few years ago. He had a whale of a time mm-hmm. writing it, getting it produced, getting it made. And then he turned it into a film. It's a fascinating story about how he did it. Now, you've probably heard about this film. It's Brendan Fraser's absolute, um, what would you call it? Renaissance. Brilliant. Brenaissance. I don't think I can claim that one. No, we we we, <laughs> we were trying to think. I was going to give in, it to uh, you. Yeah, in the episode, I know, but I, I, I can't. I can't take that one in 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 sort of moral moral spirits, really, because I did uh, I did take it off the internet. Uh, I couldn't think of it at the time. It was a. Uh, I came up with Brendanessence, uh, and I just couldn't get the Brenaissance out of it. It just didn't didn't quite work. Brendanessence, right? That's the one. Brendanessence. Yeah, exactly. that's it. I mean, that that does actually work when you when you change the inclination. So maybe I maybe I t- maybe I will take that. Yeah, one. I think so. I think you deserve it. Brendanessence, yeah. fine. Congratulations. We'll make it um, this film was yeah. directed by Darren Aronofsky, um, and we have a fantastic story about how. Darren wanted to turn this play into a film, um, which Samuel talks about all on the episode. But if you don't know Darren Aronofsky, um, he has directed Pie, Reckoning for a Dream. Probably stop making films. It's <laughs> <He's> true. <laughs> Mother, The Fountain. His credits go on and on. He produced The Good Nurse, one of your favourite films of last year. He's pretty good. Pretty good filmmaker. He's a pretty pretty. Pretty good filmmaker. But what do we talk about, Dom, on this week's episode with Sam? What do we get into? Adapting a theatre production into a screenplay. Yeah, we've done that one. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we talk about that. We uh, talk about it still. still talk, doesn't, doesn't mean we didn't talk about it. Okay, so we talk about screenwriting to create dialogue uh, and the characters. Mm. Um, we talk about how he structures uh, and does outlining for a screenplay. Uh, we talk yeah. about the collaboration process with Darren Aronofsky. And uh, we also talk about... I mean, it's kind of an interesting thing, but having lots of projects uh, and how that made this less pressure when he was waiting around for it to be made. Absolutely. This film has just been nominated for three Oscars. Samuel himself has just been nominated for a BAFTA for Best Screenplay, which is pretty impressive, really. Um, it's a fantastic piece of work. It's not bad for first first feature. For a first feature, you're right, Dom. It's incredible. How about any in- aspiring screenwriters out there? This is really inspiring. I think there's no question about it. So Samuel D. Hunter and more. So, yeah, so that and more coming up for you on this week's filmmakers podcast. Thank you all so much for 
your comments and lovely thoughts and especially you uh, especially you and your twitter messages and instagram messages about our episode last week with christy mccosco krieger the producer of the fable men's working with spielberg all that wonderful jazz so thank you that that, that was really cool of you all that spiel all that spiel Speaking of Oscars and BAFTAs, uh, we have for you coming up very soon the director of After Sun. Yes, they very much talked about Charlotte Wells. She'll be joining us as well soon. Fingers crossed, all being well. We have as well, not not as well. (laughs) We have some amazing episodes coming up for you. Well, well, well. So, so cool. I don't want to say them all now because we don't know. Uh, You know what it's like. We're all busy trying to make things, uh, and they are too. Uh, So, if you like this, tell your pals. That's how we grow. It means a lot to us. Like I say, go on our socials, the Filmmakers Podcast on Instagram at Filmmakers Pod on Twitter. You can find all that information in our show notes. Speaking of which, come join us on Patreon. We have all our bonus episodes on there for you and just for a couple of quid uh, you can really help this podcast grow and also we have another Stephen Follows episode coming up the business of film so if you've got a topic you want us to talk about uh, then please do get in touch uh, the filmmakers podcast at gmail.com okay should we get to the episode and because it was a short one because it's a junket myself and Dom are going to chat at the end aren't we about what we learned we certainly are hopefully we learned something (laughs) I definitely did. Uh, yeah, and just a, a quick uh, explanation. If you're wondering why I'm breathless, when we did the junket in the Soho Hotel, my train had many uh, shenanigans, so I was running to get there. Brilliant. Uh, enjoy Dom's breathlessness. I do. This is our episode <laughs> <laughs> with the screenwriter of The Whale, Samuel D. Hunter. Enjoy. How are you feeling? Good. Yeah, <laughs> good. Gut-wrenching, amazing... Really powerful film. Thank you. Thank you so much. It, it blew me away. I mean, even the first 15 minutes uh, when, he's, when he's walking around, just some of the moments that he does his daily life becomes such an epic undertaking for him. And, and it's, it's all about the character development and the writing. And uh, yeah. Do you wanna... It's beautiful. It's beautiful. How, how are you, Sam? How are you feeling? All right. On this... Like, is this your first time in London? No, oh, no, I actually, uh, weirdly enough, I did a, a semester in London when I was in college. And so, uh, oh. and I lived really near here. And, and last night I went for a walk and I had a, a pint at uh, the pub where I spent my 21st birthday. Wow. Uh, that so, was yeah, yeah. So, so I, yeah, I, I love London. I'm so happy to be back. And I was here a few months ago for um, London Film Festival. So. Of course, yeah, yeah, for that. I mean, look, the buzz has been amazing for the while, like incredible standing ovations at Toronto uh, and various other places as well. How, how did that feel? Because this is your debut, if you like, as a screenwriter in terms of, film but yeah. obviously your the play your history of your plays is incredible and obviously the, it's an award-winning play anyway but is it different when you're seeing it on film and the standing ovation there rather than the standing ovation in the theater yeah i mean you know making a film and making a play they share a lot of similarities but but one of the big differences is that you know I'm in rehearsals right now for a play in New York and, and, mm. you know, like, uh, I, I just, you know, uh, yesterday or the day before now and I, time doesn't mean anything to me right now. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I came straight from a rehearsal run in the hall to, uh, the, the airport and, you know, we 
start sharing the play with people very early on you know we're still in rehearsals but like we invited the the staff of the theater to come in and watch it we're going to do like runs for the designers and then you know you do a dress rehearsal Mm -hmm. and then you do uh weeks of previews where you're inviting audiences in while you're still rehearsing it during the day and so there's this constant you know sharing it with people and seeing people interact with it but with the film you know I i was on set the entire time Great. Working with Darren, which was wonderful, and, mm. and working with the actors, um, and and so I knew what it was going to look like, uh, but I had only seen it twice, uh, once with I think an employee from A twenty four, and then once with my husband, mm-hmm. uh, before seeing it in Venice with fifteen hundred people. Wow! And so that was like a very <laughs> like contrast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a very like jarring experience because you're like well i you know my husband liked it i liked it like like what is this going to be in mm, front of in front of all these people you know <laughs> yeah. with italian subtitles and yeah but um, our families always do that they're always go, oh no it's yeah. wonderful that, no you know exactly yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> yeah. You, you take it with a pinch of salt <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the, the audience of the festival you'd, you'd hope they'd be respectful yeah, yeah. yeah exactly yes. yeah, yeah yeah but so you know the the fact that it's like finding the audience that it's finding is is so wonderful i mean it's very surreal to me that it's like Mm. this story that you know i told from a very personal place and um you know for years was just existing in these like small theaters you know now it's on like 1500 screens throughout america is like a very surreal idea to me Uh, and what were some of the main challenges in terms of making this from theater into a film because i mean it's pretty much all set in one location there's, that's a few, right. there's a few cutaways but it's all set in one location it doesn't feel like a one location film oh, um, that's good. which is which is like a tremendous achievement it really is. Uh, you know what were some of the things that you had to try and consider with the adaption for film to, uh, to kind of keep the the engagement and the the pace that it does yeah i mean I, you know I, i've written a lot of plays at this point like the, the whale is probably 15 or so plays you know uh since then um but and and i do think like a lot of my plays could be opened up in the traditional way of sort of ad- adding locations adding characters uh you know taking out of the apartment but there was just something early on i was like i don't know what this story is if we leave the apartment i you know like like wh- what does it mean to like see Elliot's school or mary at home or liz at work I, I was just sort of like what that's not adding anything and if anything it's kind of taking us away from the core experience of of uh, communing with this human being and the confinement i guess and the confinement exactly yeah yeah mm. so so it was you know i and i was so grateful that like you know darren optioned this material early on but um you know 10 years ago but then he you know eventually drifted away for a while and he uh. made mother and and so it it floated by a few other directors huh. uh and those directors all wanted to take a pass of the script or open it up or something like that. And I'm just so grateful that it eventually stayed with Darren who had the courage and, uh, the, um, vision to keep it in this two bedroom apartment. But over the, you know, over the 10 years, there was a lot of, you know, how can we find the visual vocabulary of, of this, uh, two bedroom apartment? Like one of the, um, revelations I had during the pandemic was like, what if there's this second bedroom, that is kind of like the archaeology of his past with his lover. And that, that scene really replaces a monologue from the play that Charlie gives to uh, Thomas about his lover, Alan. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there was just, you know, and then there was like the pizza guy, the bird. There was a lot of like, you know, things along the way that was sort of like, what, how can I utilize the, um, 
you know the the lens of the film to to expand the story and deepen the character it's, it's almost like a sort of a hidden delight when you find like another vignette into his world like there's the bird yeah. the bird opens up and then the, the door opens up and then the the porch opens up that's and right it's like everything's yeah, like yeah, yeah. a small reveal yeah, yeah, and in, in the play, that porch scene that um, Hong Xiao plays so beautifully. Oh yes, uh, she's so amazing. Yeah, she is, yeah. um, Force of nature. Yes, yeah, she's yeah. incredible. I mean, I, I, like being on set watching her work was like in, incredible. But that porch scene um, in the play, Charlie goes off to the bathroom, and they have that that scene together. So there were just like little things like that, sort of like how can we, you know, further illustrate the world. And I think, and I, the great thing about the porch scene too is like you can reveal that he lives on the second floor. And mm. yeah, that was surprising, like the background and the sort of mountain trees. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and that, and okay, so what was interesting there? You mentioned that it was optioned over ten years ago. Yeah, with Darren Aronofsky, but then it drifted. How did that feel for you as a writer? Did, at that point, had you already? written the first draft of it uh, you know in terms of a strong solid draft of the film no 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 i i had never right. even conceived of this as a I, I you know you have to imagine you know i i was just desperately trying to be a playwright i mean i you know that's that's all i wanted to be was an off-broadway playwright and so like when this was produced in a you know in a theater in manhattan Playwrights Horizons, and it was sort of like that. That was the goal, you know what I mean. And and then when it got produced at theaters across the country, it was like incredible. That's that's all that I ever wanted. And mm-hmm. and so the phone call from Darren, um, d- shortly after it was produced in New York, saying like, "Let's talk about this as a film," was like a complete surprise. Uh, and and so uh, I really kind of wrote it on spec. You know, he optioned right. the play, mm-hmm. but, you know, he, he didn't really write me, uh, didn't really hire me to write the screenplay. So that was kind of done on faith. Um, and, uh. Was that a case because you, I suppose that uh, the film world sometimes goes, well, you're untested as a screenwriter. Sure. Even though, of course, you can write. You're a brilliant writer. But sometimes some people don't see it like that. They're like, yes, but it's very different. Da, da, da. Yeah. Was that you going, I want to prove that I can do it? Was that was there a part of you in that? And when it's you Darren Aronofsky, and it's Darren yeah. Aronofsky, so you kind of want to go, "Hey, Darren, I can do this." Yeah. Was there was there a part of you that felt that way? I guess. I mean, it's it's funny. It was just kind of never a question of of, of like, should somebody else write this this material? I mean, I, and it's really a credit to Darren that I, I don't think I even realized back then. I mean, the play is so personal to me, mm. and and comes from such a you know, it wrote it from such a vulnerable place that I mm. guess I never thought like somebody sh- somebody else should take it and rewrite it or or adapt it you know what i mean it was it was kind of and thankfully with darren it was never you know a question of who should be telling the story um but in retrospect like god was i lucky you know uh, uh that darren had that faith in me uh to you know take the helm with it were there were there any moments in the in the script that he wanted to sort of change or or he thought yeah, okay this maybe we could lose this uh, or we could lose that because I, I mean overall it's a very honest film and it doesn't it doesn't give you an easy out at the end it, it gives you a catharsis i won't spoil it but it doesn't sort of you know sometimes the things that the characters you want them to do they don't do it yeah which is which is fantastic and and also you play with you know there's some things that you 
kind of expect the character to do um, like the zoom I won't reveal mm-hmm. that either but but it, it reveals out and it's enjoyable when it happens and then there's other things that are unexpected so how do you sort of play with those conventions of working with audience expectations and not and also what he sort of wanted to amend from the script yeah there wasn't I mean I don't really even recall any moments where Darren and I kind of like disagreed about how the story should be told I mean like there are a lot of like you, you know, I, I worked with him a lot over the years of sort of like, how can we tell the story visually and how can we, you know, uh, find more silent scenes, you know, and that aren't dialogue driven. Um, but but no, I mean, it was it was uh, like a really perfect process, actually, of of like figuring out how to tell this story. I'm kind of drifting away from your question, but like figuring out how to tell the story uh, on film as opposed to the stage. So and 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 during that time, you mentioned that there was a point where it went away for a while. Mm. And that is what happens to a lot of our screenwriters, filmmakers. You spend a lot of time on a project. You you put a lot of heart and soul into how this could work visually, even though you're not directing it. A lot of writers go, well, this is, they imagine how they do it. You've gone through that process and then it drifts away. Maybe you could talk about that part for you as a screenwriter and a writer at that point of going, (laughs) Because it can be heartbreaking and it can be very yeah. difficult. And how did you overcome those difficulties to keep the faith in terms of, no, this could still happen? I think it, w- I, it would be different if I wasn't writing plays all, the, all along the way, because I, I think it would have been like, like all, I would have been so invested in like, oh, God, like maybe this can become a film. But I think like the fact that I've been a working playwright for the last 10 years while this script has been in development, I, you know, I, I've been so just centered on uh premiering plays i also you know i wrote on a tv show for four seasons i yes. you know there's there's a lot of things keep, keep been, busy and have lots of projects that's basically. exactly right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know and like and also just like family like my husband and i adopted a kid five years ago oh, and like you know and so so the whale the film version of the whale has always been this sort of like bonus thing in my life you know what i mean like and and that i'm just incredibly grateful for and it still feels like Wow! Right? Yeah, I wrote a film. I mean, it still feels this like you yeah. know, an incredible gift that. Because um, again, like my goal had always just been to like be a working playwright and being able to sort of like tell the stories that I want to tell on my own terms. Mm. Um, so, so. so, so in terms of the, the the creation of a screenplay, or I suppose even a, a theater play, like what what's your process? Do you like to do treatments, outlines? Do you like to kind of go through all the scenes, or do you just sort of splurge it out and get everything on the page and do a draft and then sort of anal- analyze it? It's I think it's different project by project. I mean, I, I mean, it's it always surprises me that whenever I try to like replicate a process it always just kind of falls apart, you know? And, and uh, you know, like I, I, I wrote a play that was at Lincoln Center right before the pandemic. That's probably my longest play. It's a three-hour three hour play, three-act play. And I wrote that draft, uh, the first draft, in less than a week. Um, but, like, the play that I just had in New York um, that, that uh, last May, that I premiered last May, uh, is probably my shortest play. It's about 80 minutes, 85 minutes, that took me almost a year to write a first draft. And so like, I, I think I never, um, I think it's just important to me that I don't like, however something falls out, I try to just like trust whatever process that is. Um, I, I will say though, that like the thing that is common between everything I write is like the development process is very, very long. Like, like even if the, you know, like that three act play that I wrote in, in, one week i mean i developed it for years so, so developing like the research and the characters that kind of thing like getting to know the world i think it's like one of the reasons that i love 
dramatic writing, either playwriting or screenwriting, is that it's such a collaborative uh, form. Like, I, I just, I don't, I mean, maybe I'll write a novel someday, but I just like, like, I, I, I couldn't imagine like sitting down and, and just like being so isolated. I mean, for me, like, like writing a first draft is like the first mile of a marathon, you know, and the rest of the marathon is working with other people, giving it to actors, showing it to collaborators, working with directors, you know, um, it's, it's, I mean, and I think it's also like the kind of plays that I'm interested in writing, there is no like authorial voice that shows up to tell you what the theme is or what you should think about something or, you know, a thesis statement or something like that. Like whenever I, whenever I see a play or a movie that I feel like the author shows up to tell us what to think, I just always get really frustrated with it or I'm just sort mm-hmm. of like, get out of the way. Like I'm interested in these people. Um, so, so yeah. 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 And how do you dialogue? Cause the dialogue is, you know, beautiful it's incredible in the film and again what you touched on there is that you you kept it very similar to the stage play in terms of the look the feel the not going out the place and a lot the the dialogue i imagine was already in there but when you first wrote it and then maybe when you rewrote it for the screen as well how do you find those moments is it you know dialogue is so hard to write how do you do it is it does it just splurge out Do you find bits and then specifically do you hone it yeah, I think in the beginning I try to write um fairly quickly just mm-hmm. because I don't want to it goes back to that authorial voice thing is like I don't want to muscle the characters. Like I don't I don't have um like I don't do a lot of uh outlining in the beginning, you know yeah. what I mean? I I I can do that as a diagnostic tool later on if I feel like something isn't working. Mm-hmm. Um but but in the beginning I'm like I can't move my characters around like chess pieces. Like I just I I have to let them live and breathe. And so when I'm writing dialogue in the beginning I I try to be pretty loose with it, you know. I mean, I again, I like I rewrite things heavily, mm-hmm. you know, like like the rewriting process is very very long, but but in the beginning like I just want them to have agency and and be human beings you know without like me being like no i have to guide them in this direction you know what i mean like mm-hmm. like like i in and sometimes i i also just try to surprise myself in the writing you know like when i was writing the first draft i didn't think mary would show up huh. and mm-hmm. um uh, and then she did and it's a great surprise when she does yeah. right yeah exactly. yeah yeah because i kind of surprised myself with it you yeah. know like I, I i think it's like um like as a writer, you have to kind of disrupt yourself as you're creating something, you know. Mm. And I suppose it's also it's kind of down to the expectations of you're hearing it all from Brendan Fraser's character's perspective, um, you know, about what he says about the you know his ex-wife, and then you get the revelation of it's not just the one-sided perspective; it's right. actually it's something else. So that's a nice kind of narrative flip as yeah. well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Was, was that always like? Like you say, was that something that just jumps out at you when you're writing it? You go, well, all right, well, let's see what happens if yeah. I throw the character back in here. And this is what happens if the pizza guy doesn't come in. And this, if they think, did you even write a scene, you know, where the pizza guy does come in type thing? Is that the kind of thing you go, okay, and then you throw it out later? Oh, totally. Yeah, right, yeah, right. yeah. I mean, it's, 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 again, it's, it's like, I'm, I, I try to be as, like, as light on my feet as possible when I'm writing something. Um, because, like, uh, it, it's almost like, uh, I don't know. It, it comes to sort of like I like a humility thing, or, or sort of like I need to take myself out of it and just let the characters do their thing because I I I don't want to like. Even though I'm the one writing it, it's almost like I need to dissociate myself a little bit from it in order for the characters to breathe and be human beings and and 
do things that maybe I wasn't expecting, you know, and then I go back after and it's like, well, that's not right. So like, mm. you know, it's, it's, I, I think I always try to think of like when I'm writing something, I'm trying to think of it as like a living document. And maybe, maybe that's like, because I'm a playwright, like plays get done so many different times, mm. you know, and, and they're always different. I mean, it's different night to night, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so, so I never really think of scripts as sort of these like, concrete etched in marble you know they always feel this sort of like constantly evolving constantly shifting you know yes which must have been amazing then when you came to you know 10 years later to go oh actually this film might actually now happen this might (laughs) actually move forward and that point you'd had quite a long time to sit on the dialogue right. and the characters and where they were there. And you'd seen the play perform many, many times up to that right. point. So was there a chance to change things, resurrect things to go, oh, I was never happy with that. Or do you know what? I can oh, make yeah. that better. Yeah. yeah, tell yeah. Us I mean, that. again, I mean, it's, you know, this was like 12, 12 or 15 plays ago for me. Mm-hmm. And so like, I, I, you know, I'm 40. You a lot in life. Yeah, 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 mm-hmm. exactly. And I mean, my husband and I are dads now. And that's yeah, a huge yeah. shift, you know, to write a story about a father trying to reconnect with a daughter when mm-hmm. I have a daughter now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there was just an opportunity to kind of like look at it with fresh eyes. Um, but it was it was kind of shocking. I remember when I was on set, because uh, we, sh- we shot it pretty much chronologically, like, yeah. like pretty much in order, mm-hmm. uh, with a few pickups here and there. And I remember when we finished the first scene uh and they were like okay now moving on and that was like a shocking moment to me because i was like oh right like done now yeah yeah done now (laughs) like we can't do it again like i'm so used to being in a rehearsal hall where let's you know you're doing it night yeah or then night night after night night after night and you can tweak it and change it let's just but that was it i know that's what's fascinating about film to theater and it really like taught me like oh like if i have an opinion or a note like i need to say it because Mm. like we're not going to return to it you know and now this film is Unlike theater, it's etched in marble from, you know, yeah. going forward. So, so. So, so can you talk a little bit about Darren's process on set? Like how, how he sort of works with the, the actors, um, you know, how the shooting kind of goes and, and what your sort of involvement was in that process as well? Yeah, I mean, the great gift that we had was A24 let us have three weeks of rehearsal before we turned any cameras on, which was like yeah. so wonderful. Perfect for you. you know? like you're used oh, yeah, to was, that. You're like, yeah, yeah it was great. Just, come on. I mean, you, you know, see. which is like, it, it was almost like rehearsing a play, yeah. you know, ex- except we're not playing to an audience, we're playing to a camera. Mm. Uh, and so, uh, and and Darren on day one of rehearsal kind of declared us a theater company and like he had the set taped out on the floor. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like, like it was, it was, yeah. it was very cool. He, he, you know, and I'm, I'm really grateful that he did kind of embrace this as kind of a play on film, mm. you know, and wasn't trying to sort of like pretend that it didn't have theatrical origins, yeah. you know, in almost a tradition of like who's afraid of Virginia Woolf or Streetcar, or, you exactly, know, you exactly, know, which um, totally works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does and work. like and yeah. and he chose that aspect ratio, which mm. is a very sort of like yeah. classic, classic you know, almost TV look. Exactly, of it. So, yeah. you know, like you were shooting a play, how yeah, plays exactly, used to be seen. Exactly. I, I like that. Yeah, That's yeah. A good touch. Um, but his process was incredibly methodical. I mean, like he does a lot of takes. You know, I've never been on a film set before but i remember at a certain point being like darren does a lot of takes right and they're like yeah darren does a lot of takes (laughs) i mean i think you know at a certain point we had like 30 hours of footage of the one scene you know what i mean like wow um and and trying different things every take or just sort of trying to get it out of the actors trying different things yeah and and and, but also just like little things like I, i remember one time like you know we're we're doing a take and all of a sudden darren was like hold 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 and he like went up to brendan and like 
moved a single hair <laughs> on his forehead. Wow. And I was just like, man, he doesn't miss anything. And he really doesn't. He doesn't miss a thing. I mean, there is not a single second of this film that Darren hasn't looked at 20 different ways, you know? Mm. Um, but yeah, but then he just like, he, you know, I think he, he had a lot of trust in these actors. I mean, and, and they were like, all five of them were incredible, you know? And, and I think like, you know, especially with an actor like Hong who, um, brought so much to this film, like at a certain point, I think with Hong, he would just be like, just go, you know, try something, you know? I remember there, there's this one point on set where Hong, uh, she's a great unexpected energy, doesn't she? Oh God, she's amazing. And, and she, she came to us one day and she was like, uh, it was a scene where, um, she gets really frustrated at Charlie and she was like, I think I want to hit him. And Darren and I were both like horrified. <laughs> we were like, hit him? And, and, but, but Darren came to me and we was like, I like, like, are we going to let this happen? And then that's the take that we use because it was like, and as soon as she did it, we were like, Oh God, of course. Mm-hmm. Like that, that the anger of her. Exactly. Yeah, and that codependence mm-hmm. and that, you yeah. know, I mean, it was just, it was so amazing, you know? Yeah. And um, we would like to play the trailer. Dom, will you just give us a rundown of what the film is and we'll drop the trailer in. The trailer or the whaler? Oh, go for it. <laughs> the whale is about uh, a father played by Brendan Fraser, who is medically obese um, to the point where he's in a life-threatening condition. And it is his story about being confined in his home, trying to reconnect with his daughter, find meaning with his life, and come to terms with his illness and past. I know these rules can feel constraining, but remember, the point of this course is to learn how to write clearly and persuasively. Think about that. Think about the truth of your argument. You're an amazing person, Ellie. I couldn't ask for a more incredible daughter. Are you actually trying to parent me right now? Who would want me to be a part of their life? You don't stay in touch with mom? She really only tells me things about you. Why? Because that's all I want to know about. Why'd you gain all that weight? Someone close to me passed away, and it had an effect on me. You haven't seen her since she was eight years old and you're going to reconnect with her? Sorry. I don't like this. This isn't a good idea. I'm sorry. You say you're sorry one more time. I will shove a knife right into you. I swear to God. Go ahead. What's it going to do? My internal organs are two feet in at least. (laughs) Why do you suddenly need to see her so bad? Why now? This. I'm worried that she's forgotten what an amazing person she is. I need to know that she's going to have a decent life where she cares about people and that she's going to be okay. I need to know that I have done one thing right with my life. Talk us more about when you went to set, that first few weeks when you watched and you just, it must have been, you know, eye-opening for you because someone who hasn't been to a movie set, it is fascinating. It is yeah. mind-blowing. You're like, hang on, we're doing that how many times and what? You just Now we're turning the cameras, wow, why not do it at the same time? Why not do it, you know, because you don't know and you think that's how films are made, but they're not. It's very meticulous. It's very slow. Yes. And it's getting little shots and moving around. 
what did you learn from that process? You know, especially watching Darren, how he worked with the crew, how he worked with the actors. I mean, it was it, it was funny. What it reminded me of um, what we call in the theater tech tech rehearsal, mm-hmm. which is where like you've done all the rehearsals in the hall and now you move. I'm going to be in tech in a few days for my play in New York, um, where like you get on the set and you you start just going through like moment to moment to moment to moment changing the lights making yeah, sure exactly. they're fine and so it really reminded, on and off yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah exactly yeah. They, uh, it really reminded me of that but of course to an even greater uh, degree but what I what I loved about it is like you can get so many different takes and and so you have this kind of like a la carte you know selection Maybe. of like all these different you know and and what was wonderful is like I could go on set and give a note or a suggestion and I would know sort of like, well, yeah, of course, why not? Like, let's, let's try it this way. You know what I mean? Like, like, uh, and then we have it and, and you know, and it might be right. It might be wrong, but it doesn't matter. Mm. Um, or at least in that moment, it doesn't matter because Mm. we can just like use a different take. Um, but I also think I, I just learned how a movie is made. Like I remember like watching Darren work with Maddie Libatique, the, um, cinematographer, uh, you know, I I remember the first week, they kept, you know, Darren would be like, "Oh no, we're crossing the line, we're crossing the line." And I was like, "Crossing the line," and I and I kept like, "It's your theater mind." Yeah, is yeah, going exactly. I was like, "What does that mean?" And yeah. finally, I like understood what that line. meant. Yeah. <laughs> we're way past that. Yeah. But uh, so I, I mean, I did feel like I got like a master class in filmmaking mm. over those two and a half months. Ooh, what's that? It's music in the middle of the podcast. It can only mean one thing. It's sponsorship time. We are delighted to be sponsored by Q Scripts. Uh, it's a script analysis service. Annual membership package costs only £60 a year. It includes monthly webinar and Q&A sessions with industry professionals, including commission writers, producers and directors. You get a discount on all services offered by Q Scripts and access to a 36-page quarterly industry magazine brimming with useful content, industry insights and interviews with writers, plus free entry into the monthly prize draw with the chance to win a free detailed script report. Check out qscripts.com. Link for ease. To make it easier for you so don't have to type it in is in the show notes. Just scroll down, click on it. There it is, qscripts.com. What were some of the main things that he wanted to sort of implement as a director on the script or maybe stuff that wasn't in the script that he, he you feel like he sort of put his his own sort of personal stamp on? Oh, uh, there's the so much. I mean, like all the weather events in the that, yeah. that is all Darren. I mean, like him, like there's the, the weather in uh, in the film is like in and of itself an organizational tool. Uh, in it's almost like being at sea, isn't it? Like Moby Dick, exactly. In, in and all yeah. those nautical yeah. elements. And I mean, if you see, there's so many details about like the wallpaper has nautical elements. Like Ty Simpkins comes in in that kind of pea coat, mm. you know, which feels a little nautical, or you know, the the way that the the light in Charlie's bedroom swings, and um, yeah, I mean, I, I, so many, so many elements, you know, and and also sort of like if you Maddie, uh, the way that he lit it is so brilliant like if like it took me watching a few times to realize that like the way he lit ellie which was like in the beginning the light on her is really cold uh and then about halfway through the film it starts to warm up and then by the end of the film it's it's much warmer um so yeah i mean i just feel so grateful because it was like we all came together in the middle of the pandemic 
to tell mm-hmm. this story. I mean, it was, I, I think I got my first shot at the end, toward the end of filming. Um, so it really was like, you know, like uh, this leap of faith that we all took to like come back and, you know, tell this story. And, and, and it was all these people at the top of their game. You know what I mean? Like, like every designer, every set dress. I mean, it was just like all these people like coming back in this sort of like act of faith to tell the story. Mm. Was this just, was this before Sadie Sink had become big, big in Stranger Things, or was it? I'm trying to think back to because you said it was shot in the in it was the kind pandemic, of right? Right, she just when? she just started at that time. Yeah, so so, so basically, we did we did uh, a reading of the when when Darren had the idea to cast Brendan, we did a reading of the script, almost as one would do a reading of the play. Mm. Darren rented a theater in uh, the East Village in Manhattan, and we did a reading of the and. Um, uh with brendan and sadie also did the reading and uh i i wasn't aware of sadie at the time like and i was just they were like oh she's on stranger things and i was like oh okay and she was so good Mm -hmm. and it was just so apparent that oh like that's probably the actress we want in this role and then by the time we like it it was very slow by the time we started filming it was like oh sadie's coming kind of a big deal and then (laughs) i remember like it's not quite well for you, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. And then, like, months later... She's, she's like, one of the biggest stars of it. No, now, it's like, crazy. A real breakup. Yeah, yeah, like, like months yeah. later, I remember, like, uh, while Darren was editing, I was watching Saturday Night Live and the Taylor Swift uh, video, and I was yes, sort of so like, she's that's starring sweet. in it. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The Taylor directed like, that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Right. And, then, and then, like, all of a sudden, she's, like, on billboards in Tokyo. It's, mm-hmm. like, it's crazy. Yeah, which <laughs> must know? be wonderful. You mentioned Brendan there. What was that? process like for you then going okay we're gonna cast was that was that even in your mindset when he when darren said it was it like oh yeah his comeback wasn't it yeah Yeah. it's one of his major comebacks i'd say yeah yeah it was i mean when he first suggested it to me i was like like i don't think i i i I hadn't really seen his kind of action movies i hadn't seen the mummy right Uh, okay so like my impressions of brendan were sort of um gods and monsters Mm -hmm. and school ties and okay uh and but but I was also like many people. I was sort of like, oh, what's he been up to? Mm-hmm. And then you know, I read that GQ article yeah. that uh, became so so widely read, and and I was like, oh wow, there's something in the DNA of the character here. Um, and then you know, Darren organized that reading, and it was just so apparent. Like five or ten minutes into the reading, it was like whoa okay like he really knows this character and he has this kind of like uncanny ability to hold deep despair and deep joy at the same time which is so important to the character Mm. um so it really was just like it's it's a very um gratifying experience when you're sort of like uh when you create a character and then an actor just sort of like elevates it like that and, and he does. I mean, he holds the screen. You cannot take your eyes yes, right. off it. And definitely, hit. definitely should be Oscar winning, in my opinion. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's, it's breathtaking. It really is. And literally in a sense of the word as well, he can't breathe throughout the whole movie. That's now right. he's, he's portraying this incredible character. And, and what was that like to watch on set? So, you know, because it's so hard for an actor to, be breathing like that and struggling and you know are you dying what is happening yeah what was that like to watch because you're doing take after take after take how because on in the theater obviously you're rehearsing but you can all right let's take a a minute how was that on film i remember just like feeling very 
concern for him throughout <laughs> just because it was so hard and and like he works so hard i mean he was the first one on set yeah. every morning you know it yeah. took him several hours to get into makeup every morning so he was the first one there last one out and i i just felt my like this kind of uh affection for him and this concern for him because he was working so hard under such rigorous physical you know demands and but i and, and i kept waiting for the moment it's like when is he gonna like say something when is he gonna like get frustrated or get angry or like snap at somebody and that moment never came which was miraculous. I mean, it was sort of like Superhero. he had every reason to get frustrated <laughs> like, yeah. and to snap at somebody or say something rude or something. But but he just never, never, ever, ever did. Um, it was pretty incredible. It was, it was almost athletic, you mm. know, uh, the way that he approached this role. And the amount of love, the outpouring of love, mm. I think, for him in this film especially has been incredible. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if there was a, a McConaughey, you know, and that word was um, created what? by Matthew McConaughey. Oh. <laughs> McConaughey. You know, he created that word, but it's a mm. kind of in the zeitgeist of, oh, you need a McConaughey and, mm. you know, you need a Fraser sense. I don't know what yeah, the word yeah. is there, but it, it's happened. Yeah. And that's because of your idea. And I think that is quite interesting. I think forever now, you know, for you, The Whale will be associated with you. And it's an award-winning, you know, it's a fabulous film. Everyone loves mm. it. The performance will bring Brendan Fa Fraser back, which everyone wants. Everyone's like, no, yeah. please don't go away. Yeah. Love yeah. Yeah. Everyone's loved Brendan yeah. Fraser. And you've done that. And I, I suppose I wanted to ask you how that felt now. It's And maybe it hasn't sunk in yet because it's obviously in the release stages right now and real audiences in terms of, Uh, anyone is seeing this film not people who go to film festivals not people who yeah, are seeking yeah. it out this is people who go alright let's stick this on on a channel or we might go to the cinema H how does that feel? I don't think it's like totally sunk in yet I I, I mean you know my my life right now is uh, I mean ever since Venice I've kind of been on this treadmill mm. you know uh, wonderful treadmill uh, of sure. you know traveling around and um, a, a lot of a lot of miles accumulated on my, you know, <laughs> Delta hotel rooms. Uh, yeah, a lot of interviews rooms. like yeah, this. Yeah. Oh, and and so I'm just kind of, I'm trying to be as present as possible because, because uh, I also like, you know, when I'm not doing this, I'm at home with my five year old, like, mm -hmm. you know, w which is its own kind of treadmill. Yeah, uh, <laughs> sure. You know, yeah, that's I've, got, I've got nephews. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's an uphill treadmill. Exactly that age. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's pretty direct. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, I, I, I don't think Brendan totally... has it easy actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, what's he come He didn't complain, but if he did, <laughs> what are you complaining about? <laughs> but it, you know, even yesterday, like when you know, I when the BAFTA nominations came out, mm -hmm. I mean, I, you know, I had just gotten off a red eye from New York here, and I was like coming out of a Starbucks, and my husband called me, and I was just like, oh, I, you know, it, it's it's all like it's so wonderful, but I don't I don't know if it's going to completely sink in, you know, uh, f for a few months at least. You know, but I, but I'm just feeling incredibly grateful. Incredibly. How has it how has it changed your perspective on on film? Like going forward now, are you thinking I want to keep doing plays all the time, or I want to do both, or I want to explore film for a bit? I you know it's complicated because I I think one of the reasons that I mean I should say like when I was a teenager in Idaho in the late '90s, 
I I was like using my parents' camcorder to make movies. Oh, way before I was ever writing plays. Just like the Fablemans, right? right exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but and I was like editing them by hooking two VCRs up to one another and like pressing play on one and record on the other. Uh, yeah. And and it looked terrible, and I just started getting really frustrated with the technology, and so I was like well, I can write plays like, and, and then just like make them. And so that's what I started doing. And that's what eventually when I fell in love with theater. And I think like one of the reasons I continue to be drawn to the theater is it is so writer centric. Yes. Uh, and, um, you know, like, like nobody changes the words unless I change them. And, and that's, it, it's very unlike film. Uh, and I, and I think like the, the, the fact that like Darren translated my script into a film very faithfully is like kind of a miracle. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. and, um, and, you know, because like so much of the time, like writing in uh, filmmaking is an, is a bit of an afterthought. Uh, and I have had experiences in screenwriting over the years where I feel kind of like a text butler more than anything else, where they're just sort of like telling me exactly what to deliver. And I'm just sort of like, I love that. Text <laughs> butler. <laughs> you know, Here's your text, sir. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, just yeah. sort of like, that's great. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know, and very kind of like, notes from executives that are incredibly resulty of just sort of like cut that shift this move that over here which i just don't encounter in the theater it's a much more organic process in the theater because it's sort of like well they're human beings first and foremost and so like cut this move that have them go over here like again it goes back to the chess pieces thing which just sort of like the characters become chess pieces mm. um so i i think i'm trying to figure out exactly like how can i maintain my Artistic integrity. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just, it sounds pretentious, but, but no. like, how can I re- maintain my voice within mm. filmmaking? You know, and I, and I think that's kind of like. Keep working with Darren. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah he just needs, <laughs> just needs to adapt all Every of my plays. Yeah. All of my plays in the films. Yeah, yeah. 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 But, but, I, but I also like love film. I, and, and, and I feel like now I'm, you know, I, like I said, I got this master class in filmmaking by being yes. on set for two and a half months. I mean, I, I, how can I not? utilize that you know mm. so but i think it remains to be seen maybe exactly. even direct a few things for film I, I mean maybe you know i'm not you know if somebody has the faith in me mm. I, have I'm you directed any no, of your plays you must have but... i've never i've directed like workshops mm-hmm. and but but i've never i've never actually directed a production of one of my plays um i think it's a very weirdly i would trust myself to direct a film more than i would trust myself to direct a play like directing mm-hmm. a play is such a singular skill of of like yes. coaching actors to You're like right. hold something in their bones yeah, yeah. for two hours every evening. I mean, it's 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 a very very specific thing. But with film, it's like like I said before, it's sort of you know if I had like a cinematographer I really trusted, mm-hmm. that, then you know you can just like get all these different takes, and then you work with an editor you really trust. Like I yeah. like that's a process. I think like it's it's so much more methodical. Yes, you know? well, it's a big team. You know, making a film is a big team. Yeah, there yeah, is yeah. leaders, obviously, but it's a team thing. You That's can't exactly right. make a film without the DP, without the sound, without the... Well, you can, but, you know, what's great about filmmaking is you all do it together. That's right. And that's wonderful. Like you say, in the theatre, it's often not. It's the director and the actors in that's rehearsal. Right. Um, and I think that's what's wonderful about film. It seems like you've caught that bug, that bug of, I was bit. on set for a while. Yeah, yeah. What, what was Darren like working with those actors that you felt was different maybe to what you've seen in the theatre? What was it, especially with each take, what was it he was asking them to do? I think, I, I mean, it goes back to that thing of sort of like you can get so many different takes in mm-hmm. Uh, but, and, and, you know, coaching actors in a theater is so much more delicate because it's like, 
you know, a performance is almost like this, like singular thing mm-hmm. that you're helping craft and like, uh, and it, it has really to kind good... of stay in the same shape in a way. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas... And, and a really good theater director has to be so delicate in crafting those performances while letting the actor make it their own and be able to maintain it and do it every night. Uh, while still surprising themselves and and you know like still keeping it fresh, it fresh yes, yeah, yeah yeah. Whereas sort of like in film, it's so great that you can just kind of let's do it this way now, this way now, this way now, and yeah. and uh, and there's an ability in film to sort of like you know it, it usually Darren uh, at the end of like shooting a scene, he would just be like, okay, just do show me show, show me something different, mm-hmm. you know, and and he would do that pretty much every single time, like show me something different. Uh, and, and they would just kind of like make it their own and, and, uh, and did a lot of that making to the, the edit, those, a good amount of it. Yeah. yeah. A good amount of it. Yeah. I suppose it's, it's casting as well. It's like, it's Mm. it's that, you know, choosing actors that can do that. Yes. Uh, To the, you know, that level. Cause, cause some actors can't, they, you know, and that's very interesting when you are, you know, casting or making films is some actors literally it's you come with a performance yeah, this it. this they is what you one get way, yeah, yeah i prepared right. this way and, uh, and then you haven't got time on set to do that much you know it's that's like right. oh yeah, this yeah. is it right okay you do what you do then and you know you can play a bit but and then other actors it's why it's great to rehearse and bring them in for auditions and do that because you go okay let's play because yeah. as a director that's the joy of it all and that's what darren does with his team and that's right plays. yeah yeah and i think for you it's an unusual situation because Sadly, writers often aren't on set. Right. And you mentioned there that if, uh, earlier on that if you didn't say anything during the scene and they say moving on, you maybe missed that moment. What yeah. was it you were saying, I suppose, when you were, so, oh, I'll be brave enough to speak here or I'm part of this team? Because you were, you were there in rehearsals. What kind of things were you, you know, mentioning? I, I mean, it was better, Brendan, better. <laughs> <laughs> More sweat, Brendan. <laughs> Sometimes it would be like, adding lines or or subtracting lines or oh, okay. or right. uh you know and, and sometimes it would be like i really think you know uh the scene is about uh you know i know the lines are saying one thing but i think he's actually doing it with love or i think she's doing this mm. with you know what i mean like like yeah. uh it, it, almost as one would you know work on a play we're just sort of like you know when is when is the acting when when is it like when should you fight against the text? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. and, whereas when should you lean into the text? Yes. You know, is like is 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 really important. I think that was one of the most fascinating things about his performance specifically was mm-hmm. that there were many moments when you would just think that he would react in one way, and he kind of came back with kindness. Yeah, that's right. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's kind of it's kind of about heartbreaking, but it's there's some, there's some kind of truth to it. Yeah, um, yeah, that's that's really you know sticks with you. I think that's what you mentioned there about Brendan's ability to look like he's in total pain, but at the same time yeah. he's smiling through that it. Compassion, yeah. right. absolutely yeah, yeah. mesmerizing performance in the edit. Then for you as a writer, were you involved in that stage a bit? Because we often say you rewrite it all in the edit process that's again. Right. Did that work for you? Was that the same thing? Did you go in the edit and go, oh, we need an extra line here or we need this? Talk- I actually, funnily enough, the edit was the thing that I really wasn't involved in because right. I kind of felt like I was such up you, and down. You made your part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I've done I mean, my bit, guys. I was <laughs> so, uh, you know, Twice. <laughs> so involved in the production and, yeah. and, and yeah. That, that I was really like, let me, like Darren needs to have his space yeah. with Andy Weisblum, the, um, the editor, the mm. brilliant editor. Um, and so, but I was very nervous about it, you know, and I remember like at a certain point, Darren, uh, texted me and he was sort of like, okay, I've had to make some kind of 
aggressive cuts to a certain scene. Uh, I'm going to show it to you and tell me what you think. And I was like, oh, my God, like, is everything okay? Like, are they having to take a hacksaw to this thing? Like, and he showed me the scene and he had cut like two lines of like no con of almost no con. Like, How dare you? you? Know? <laughs> but but I was like, when I saw that, I was like, oh, I think he's being like really faithful. Yeah. And um and then when I saw the the rough cut, uh, when he invited me to come in and see the rough cut, I was just like, holy crap, he just mm. did it. Mm. Like it just it's you know it's almost untouched. Yeah. Uh, which is such a such a gift for me. Yeah. So. And it, also, I suppose his ability as well. I mean, it shows your ability in writing amazing script, but also his ability in being able to create something and put his own touch on it while right. still remaining faithful. Yeah. That's exactly right. So just, yeah, yeah. Elasticity, isn't it? Yeah. And coming back to my original question, that moment, how did it feel when you got the standing ovation at these, uh, you know, Venice and Toronto? I mean, like, completely surreal. I, I mean, com- you know, like... It, I remember in Toronto, um, the screening was on my birthday, and wow. and after the birthday, and after the screening, Darren told the audience it was my birthday, and they all spontaneous, you know, sang fifteen hundred people oh, broke gosh. into Happy Birthday, wow. from, and it was just it's incredible, it's yeah. it's absolutely incredible. It's, I'm going to remember this for the rest of my life. Just just a final question, yeah? Could you give some advice to your earlier self or maybe you when you were struggling at some point in your in your career and you thought i'm not sure i'm gonna get past or to this next hurdle uh, for any aspiring writers or filmmakers i think it would be something like every project that i did early on felt like end times you know what i mean it was mm. sort of like if th- if this goes well then i'm fine or if it doesn't go well then i'm broken then i'm you know i'm never gonna work again and and i think it would be sort of like life is very long you know, like many people are going to react in many different ways to the stuff you write over the years. And, uh, but a career is not one singular piece of writing. You know what I mean? Even, even if you become known by one singular piece of writing, the careers are very long. Life is very long. Uh, so calm down. I would say calm down. <laughs> Good advice. <laughs> Great advice. Samuel Hunter, thank you so yeah. much. This has been thank you. brilliant to chat to you. Thank you. And what an amazing movie. As yeah, well. an amazing movie. It is out very soon. So literally, link is in the show notes where you can watch it. Oh, that was brilliant. Thank yeah, you so much, guys. Yeah, really good. Really good. That was myself, Dom Lamar, chatting with Samuel D. Hunter. How interesting was that? I loved that whole chat. His passion for writing, his passion for this project as well. And, and the whale is really, you know, it means something. And I think it's fascinating. So it's an incredibly moving film. Um, and it's not it's not really covered very much. Obesity. Uh, and not, not only the sort of struggles and how it happens, but the roots of it. I mean, this one, it's, it's really, it's about grief. Um, it's about trauma. Uh, it's, you know, these things don't happen in a vacuum. There's, there's, always, a, there's always a reason behind them. It covers religion, spirituality, um, you know, forming groups and the different ideologies that, that go with that. Uh, and I suppose vulnerability and, and, you know, the mistakes that parents and, and children make with each other uh, and trying to get past those things. It's, it's beautiful. There's no, there's no two ways about this film. It... it pulls you in and it makes you feel um, and that's what filmmaking should be about stories that stay mm. with you 100%. and Brendan Fraser's yeah. performance just is you cannot help but fall into his eyes heartbreaking he's yeah. just a wonderful man and yeah. you, I can't see anyone else playing that as well it's so no. touching playing it as well 
You know, it's it's so difficult to adapt anything, um, let alone your own play, because you can get bogged down in the words you love, the bits that you stick yep. with you are amazing on stage, and then transforming that mm. into film is very different. It's a very different medium, um, as we all know. But yeah. I think when you are writing, and that's what's fascinating about what Samuel was saying, he just wrote from the heart. He wrote what he knew. He wrote what meant something to him. And I think that's a great lesson for screenwriters out there or just who who are thinking, you know, how why can't I break through or why is my next film not happening? And sometimes it's maybe the project isn't right. There's not enough passion. Yep. There's not enough heart in there from you. Mm. It might be from someone else, let's say, yeah. but your passion has to seep through it every core. Yeah, I think I think beyond the passion, it's also about being personal and, and something that means something to the, the writer um, and to the audience. If, you, if you're just sort of creating characters that you know that are going to a to b and there's no real depth and meaning behind it then then you know the audience won't connect either but this is it does feel like a deeply you know personal story and, and also it doesn't give you the easy answers or the easy outs um there's a catharsis to it but it's it's not a film where it, it sort of throws hope at you uh it, may, it gives you some hard questions and, and, a, and a challenging a challenging sort of ending i suppose to think about after it's finished Darren's made and an, uh, Darren. I say Darren. He walked in the room just before you got there. By the way, yeah, he got the wrong room. Are you joking? His head ah. in. Yeah, and he went, "Oh, oh, hey, sorry." And Sam's like, "Hey," and he's like, "Hey." Did you say, and, you say, no. you're gonna stay? <laughs> I did. Yeah. I went, no, no, don't if go. I, if, I'd, if I'd been there, if I'd been there, you would have stayed. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. You shouldn't have been late. <laughs> I, just, I just shut the door. <laughs> yeah, just shut the door on him. Like, you're not going anywhere. Pal. Uh, and then I saw Brendan yeah. Fraser as well. He walked down the corridor. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah, beforehand, and he waved as I was sat on the chair waiting to go oh, in. Wow. And these junkets are fascinating. They're in hotel rooms, and we're at the Soho Hotel. Yeah. And you just wait. You kind of wait with the other. We called. We're called journalists. I don't know how we get away with being called journalists, but um, journos. We do. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Brendan walked past, friendly as you like. Went, hey, this is what passed. It was like, hey. Oh man, I can't believe I missed that. Hey. Uh, yeah, I know it was a great hey. It was a good hay. Friendly. Yeah. Friendly Brendley. It was like a horse that had eaten it all day. That's how much hay it was. It was that good. <laughs> it was a strong hay. <laughs> it was almost like you put pepper and salt on it. Yeah. Hey-ho. Um, oh. Also, it was, it was interesting. Um, I mean, you know, we, we talked quite in, in depth as a director as well. Like the, the touches that, that Darren puts on, like adding, adding in the elements like the rain, um, glimpses of the mountain, revealing the extra room uh, in the house. Like these, these things that take it from being a theatre production into creating these, um, you know, uh, paper trails that kind of get revealed as the as the film goes on and also expand it into these other concepts beyond a man in his house uh, into something really fantastic and i think it was also really really exciting discussing his process working with actors giving people the freedom to try new things um but also trying to get to the meaning of what was in the script in an interesting way yeah i totally agree i think uh he, he's he's done wonders with something i think it's proven i think it's proved to anyone out there who's thinking of adapting a play or whatever you can do it don't be feel that you're restrained by the mm. play it can still look like a play that's what they want it to look like it's okay that's fine i don't see there's a problem with that it's all set in one room like dom said there but they open the door and you saw bits of everywhere else but it's, it's not, not boring, boring. 
That's it. Good writing and good performances. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't make it boring. So you can do your film in one room. You can do your script that way. And I think that is inspirational. You can get a hay from Brendan Fraser. You certainly can. Um, so, till next Tuesday, uh, I hope you go out there and, and inspired by this and go make your films uh, and write your scripts and make it happen for you. Thank you so much for listening. You can do it. And if you're lucky enough to rise up and do well, it's your duty to send the elevator back down. Myself and Dom, or myself, we'll see you <laughs> next Tuesday. Thanks, Dom. Well, what, what, what am I doing next Tuesday? <laughs> I'm sure I organised that one, Giles. <laughs> I'll see you next Tuesday too. Excellent. If I don't, there's been a <laughs> terrible accident. Yeah. Dom has Send died. The to Giles. Oh my God, it was me. Um, who is on next week's episode, Dom? I think it's the After Sun episode. Yes. It is with Charlotte Wells. I yeah. think we're putting that out next Tuesday. How exciting yeah. for you and for us. It's going to be an entire well of knowledge for you. Indeed it is. Uh, until then, until that deep dive hole that we go into. We're wishing you well. We are wishing you well. <laughs> that was a good one. We will see you next Tuesday. Take care, everyone. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>